everybody, I'm Kai Rizdo. I'll try that again. Hey, everybody. You can do I'm it. Kai Rizdo. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make the day make sense. Friday, the 23rd of February, on a day when I have to pick up my own name. But you got it out there. And I am Kimberly Adams. Got it on the first try. Thank you for joining us on our podcast and on the YouTube live stream. Because it's Friday and the long-suffering, beleaguered Friday, uh, we are doing our normal thing on Friday, which is Economics on Tap, our weekly happy hour episode. So thanks, everybody, for joining we will, uh, what will we do? We will check to see what everybody is drinking. We will uh, discuss the news. We'll do a little half full, half empty. I'm kind of winging in here, Kimberly, because my phone yeah, is ringing okay. and I'm so, distracted and I'm, oh my God. It's okay. <sighs> well, I have the chat right. up uh, in terms of drinks okay. and right. I can go through and I see that people are already predicting, Jason, that I will be smug about my landline comments the other day. Yeah. Which I'm not, well, a little bit, a little bit smart. A little bit, but anyway. a little bit. Uh, ju- a little justifiably bit so. Remind people why in case they miss the news. <laughs> so the other day, we, uh, last week actually, when we were doing last half week. full, half empty, we, uh, one of the questions was, were we half full or half empty on landlines? And I was among the minority of being half full on having a landline to prepare for the potential zombie apocalypse. And so was our producer, Marissa Cabrera. But it turned out we didn't need to wait for the zombie apocalypse to need landlines. We just needed AT&T and other networks to randomly shut down due to, (laughs) I guess we still don't fully know why. But they say it's not a cyber attack and it wasn't a solar flare. So anyhow, they were telling people who needed to dial 911 to use a landline. Many people do not have landlines anymore. And therefore, I am vindicated. So, yes, a bit smug. I'll take it. You totally are. You totally are. Okay. All right. But seriously, on to the drinks. What are you drinking first? And then I'll get to the YouTube chat. Uh, I'm having water because I got some things to do later. So uh, just a little agua. Also, I'm a little dehydrated and went running this morning. And I have had five cups of coffee and no other fluids. So, yeah. Water is a good choice. I I had like two big glasses of water before the show. But now I'm drinking sake um, that I heated up in the microwave. Uh, which Ooh. is, I know, not the right that, way to do it, cool. but I'm in the office. Right. But, you know, I, I'm cold uh-huh. and I wanted something warm. And I picked this up from the sushi place down the street and I put it in the microwave. Wh- uh, all right. Why are, you, why are you in the office at 630 on a Friday night? I was working, man. I was working. Got stuff to do. Wow. All right. Amen. Got stuff to you. do. All right. Good so what's you. everybody else drinking? Okay. Let's see. Uh, Jennifer Flippin Pierce is drinking a creamsicle martini. Uh, oh, and someone points out that AT&T is saying it was a software update that caused uh-huh. these outages. Yes. And... What is uh, maple, bacon, shine, and screwball whiskey on ice, Larry F.? What exactly is that? I don't even hmm. know. Denny and Will uh-huh. McIntyre are drinking a Portlandia Columbia Valley Cab. Craig Hilton, a new new Trail Glacier Hazy IPA. Um, hmm. Frog five twenty one is drinking chilled boiled tap water. So there you go. There you go. Well, at least it's sanitary. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Yeah. 
Oh, Expat Mike in Japan says it's too early to be drinking sake for him. Just wanted to point that out. (laughs) In Japan. Expat Mike, I'm very curious what the take is on microwave and sake in Japan as opposed to. I'm sure it's not good. Yeah, it will not be good. It will not be good. But let's let's watch the uh, let's watch the watch the chat for that. Yes. Man. All right. Uh, Sarah's got a screwball whiskey. Oh, says screwball whiskey is peanut screwball butter. Whiskey is peanut whiskey. butter whiskey. What? Huh. Expat Mike never heard of microwaving sake. Jin <laughs> Peck it. says, as long as it's not fish. All right. Yeah, exactly. There you <laughs> go. All right. Should note. we move on? Yeah. What's your oh, news? Man. So there was a really interesting article in the New York Times, uh, I think it was probably yesterday, actually, about uh, Instagram uh, and how it's becoming more and more of a news site. The, the headline was, It's Uneasy Rise. Um, and I, I, cl- I clicked on it because it was interesting, but, but I, uh, it clicked with me, is what I meant to say. Because, and I am totally sober, by the way. Uh, huh. is because I follow a woman on Instagram named uh, Jessica Yellen. She used to be the CNN uh, White House correspondent, left CNN a number of years ago and started a, a feed on Instagram called News Not Noise. And she works really hard at differentiating the noise in the news cycle from the actual news and what people know. It's, it's really interesting, and I've been following her for a while. Um, mm-hmm. She's quoted in this piece, it should be said, full disclosure. But, but there's, it's, it's really interesting because, and here's the quote straight out of the article. As of last year, 16% of American adults regularly got news on Instagram, which outpaces TikTok, Twitter, and Reddit. And it's up from 8% just uh, five years ago. So it's, it's a big jump, more and more people. Here's why it's a challenge, though. This is now a quote from Adam Masseri, who runs Instagram. For Mark Zuckerberg, let's remember that Instagram is owned by Facebook, owned by Meta, actually, same company as Facebook. Mm. Uh, Instagram has stopped recommending, quote, political content across different parts of the app unless users opted into seeing it. The challenge, of course, is that if you have to opt into news to see it, what does that do to your engagement? What does that do to um, how informed you are as, let's say, a voter if it's political content? Also, there's a whole train of thought on disinformation and misinformation, what it means for that. It's just it's they're trying to be thoughtful about it. It's a really challenging problem. I recommend the article to you. Don't people already have to opt in to news on other platforms? If you think about it, you have to I, turn I on know. your TV and go to the channel. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Turn yeah, on the radio yeah. and choose to listen. Yeah, but um, yeah, but social's different, right? I mean, how? Yes, social is different, but I'm trying to think about how it's different in this context uh, in terms of just opting in. What do you mean? Well, if, if you follow or, or have expressed a preference for political news and the algorithm learns what you like and then Instagram mm-hmm. decides to de-emphasize that, mm. right, That's then that becomes kind of a challenge. Yeah, yeah, it does, because that then even kind of if challenge. you want to know what's going on, you're kind of being led away from it. But the material mm-hmm. that may be more social or less newsy but wrong could be overemphasized. Mm-hmm. I see your point. Okay. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. So my news is also a New York Times article sort of around the two-year anniversary anniversary of the Russia's invasion of Ukraine and looking at how well our sanctions have worked against Russia, which is to say not very well. And yes, we've got this brand new round of sanctions after uh, the Russian government obviously killed Alexei Navalny. Um, But 
we had a lot of sanctions even before that, trying to isolate Russia, trying to undermine its sources of revenue used to fund the war, and they were not super effective. Just to read a little bit of this, um, to hear the Biden administration officials tell it, Russia has suffered a major strategic failure. But beyond North America and Europe, there's evidence to the contrary. China, India, and Brazil are buying Russian oil in record quantities, feasting on the steep discounts Mr. Putin now offers to countries willing to replace his lost European customers. With those growing economic relationships have come strong diplomatic ties, including with some close U.S. partners. Mr. Putin visited Beijing in October and hosted India's foreign minister in Moscow in late December. A few weeks earlier, Mr. Putin was warmly received in Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, where he was greeted with a 21-gun salute and fighter jets overhead trailing smoke in the red, white, and blue of Russia's flag. Russia's influence is also expanding in Africa, according to a new report from the Royal United Services Institute. It goes on and on. The... It's very interesting to think about how effective sanctions really are, and yet we keep using them because we have not that many tools left, especially when Congress mm-hmm. is choosing not to fund another venue of influencing this conflict, which is, you know, paying for weapons and things like that. So I seen that article which made something that I saw on X which I was on today randomly which I'm usually not but I was looking at the terrible news about our colleagues over at WAMU they had a bunch of layoffs and yet another round of journalism layoffs but anyway I was on X and I came across uh, an academic uh, at uh, Stanford University his name is he's an assistant professor of economics at the Stern School of Business I'm sorry at New York University and a research affiliate at the Center for Economic and Policy Research. I'm probably going to butcher his name. I'm sorry. Abdullaye Nadaye. And he's out with and colleagues with a new paper looking at the effectiveness of boycotts, consumer-driven boycotts, as a way to punish a country compared to sanctions. And according to his research, consumer-driven boycotts can actually be more effective in some cases than uh, sanctions at actually causing economic harm to a country. It's very technical and gets into all these different case studies. But the bottom-up method seems to be a little bit more effective than the top-down method because with sanctions, you tend to kind of eat the cost when you're issuing the sanction versus with boycotts, it seems to generate a little bit more um, domestic activity to replace the boycotted product or products within the country doing the boycott. I thought it was very fascinating I'd mm-hmm. never really thought about boycotts versus sanctions and it's sort of top down versus bottom up approach, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, it totally is. It totally is. It's a little bit uh, trickle down versus, you know, trickle up ish if you want to come with an economic theory. But yeah, it's totally interesting. It makes a lot of sense, too. There was a piece I was just as I was driving home just now, Jackie Northam has a piece on Russian sanctions and how mm-hmm. generally ineffective they've been for the reasons you cited the Brazilians and the mm-hmm. Russian, uh, the Brazilians and the Chinese and Indians buying. Urals, which is uh, Russian oil, at a discount, you know? Yeah. 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 I remember on this show we were talking, and I was shocked because Russia actually made more money off oil in the early months Mm -hmm. of the war Mm -hmm. than they did because 
the global supply went down with the sanctions right. on Russia, which drove up the right. price for the oil that Russia could get out. Right. It was wild. Yep. Okay. Yep. So, yeah. Economics is weird. All right. Uh, mm. That's the news. A quick break. Uh, and when we come back, uh, Drew Johnstad, half full, half empty. Coming back. Okay, we are back, and we're going to play our wonderful game, Half Full, Half Empty, hosted by our very own Drew Jostad. Drew, take it away. All right. This week, Google temporarily removed the News tab from search results for some users. Are you half full or half empty? Yeah, they're like testing it. They're doing an A-B test with with users getting it and users not. And I've noticed, actually, and sometimes when I search on Google, it's not there. It's really annoying. I'm completely empty. Yeah. I'm I'm definitely empty. It's it's been a bad week in terms of like journalism and the economics of our industry. It's not looking good. So yep. <laughs> pretty empty there. Yep. Please give us a more positive topic. Okay, are you half full or half empty on going to a steakhouse not for the steak but for the vibe? Where did I hear this story? Where did I hear this story? <laughs> this was an interview Kristen was did it? on Monday. Right. Okay. I was out. That's why I heard uh, part of that story. Anyway, Kimberly, go ahead. Um, I am going to say half full. I'll. I. I, I like the vibes. I'll. I'll go someplace for the vibes. Why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. I think it's totally fine. Steakhouses are like you know a, a remnant of of years gone by, right? But clearly, a people still go to them, and not always for the steak. I'm half full on that. Sure. Yeah. Why so, not? Why not? Are you half full or half empty on celebrating Leap Day? Is this your hmm. Leap Day year? Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. We're going to have a 29. Oh, wow. Uh, just cause the it's fact cool, that he sure, didn't even not? know it was coming. Yeah. It's one yeah, day at a time, man. Anywhere. One day at a time. <laughs> one day at a time. Uh, yeah, I'm half full on that. I, I will definitely go with a Leap Day. Sure. Totally. Is the Leap Day lining up with a solar eclipse? When is that happening? No, isn't the solar eclipse? Like no, in it's April around. Or it's it's a, yeah, it's around like opening day or something for the baseball season. So I think it's like early April something. Oh, okay. My mother was telling me today that she's apparently the like best place to see the solar eclipse is going to be Bloomington, Indiana, where she went a lot as a kid. So she's going with like a bunch mm-hmm. of her childhood friends back to Bloomington, Indiana, to see the solar eclipse. Oh, cool. Um, folks in the chat say it is ha- uh, April eighth. But to answer the question <laughs> itself um, about celebrating Leap Day, half full. You know me; I love a theme. I'll celebrate anything. Yeah. Totally cool. Also, total eclipses are supposed to be amaze balls. Molly went to the last one. She said it was incredible. Mm. Incredible. Oh, yeah. She yeah. was like Oregon or something. Yeah. Bloomington, Indiana, friends. There you go. <laughs> All right. Are you half full or half empty on Netflix's new adaptation, live action of Avatar The Last Airbender? Is it first of all, is this the last one? Was this the poll one? No. no oh, all right. No uh, okay. Somebody needs to explain to me what Avatar The Last Airbender is. Ah. I don't know. I can help you here. So. Okay. I, knew you, uh, I knew you would be able to. <laughs> yes. Avatar The Last Airbender was a Nickelodeon series um, that was sort of one of the more interesting sort of American originated anime like 
um, series because a lot of the series that are anime, you see them being developed in Japan and they come over and they get dubbed over or whatever. Avatar was a Nickelodeon series. It was really great. Um, very interesting. It had the this character. I won't give you the whole backstory. It was a good show. And then they had a follow up series with, the, you know, another Avatar general principle being that there are people who have special powers to manipulate the elements of the earth. Okay. Right. Okay. So having a live action version of this beloved show, uh-huh. I am skeptical because we have not had a great track record of our beloved anime series being converted to live action well. But that's... Oh, Brian Olt brings up something that I had actively suppressed in my memory, which was the M. Night Shyamalan movie of Avatar The Last Airbender, which was a live action version. And we are going to not talk about it because it's it, it was real bad. It was real bad. Okay. okay. <laughs> Farther down in the chat is Ben Navratil saying, I think Kai has tuned out. I haven't tuned out. I am, however, having a little cognitive dissonance because I thought this was some spinoff of Avatar the James Cameron movie that got Fair. all the hullabaloo. And right. and you can understand the brand confusion yes. here, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. So that wow. is just Avatar versus Avatar the Last Airbender because the people who can manipulate these elements are called benders and uh, the main character is an airbender, although he's special because he can bend all of the elements. Anyway... Well, people tell me that the Cowboy Bebop uh, adaptation was good. I did not hear good things about it, but I haven't seen it. Um, I know that the uh, uh, Ghost Note adaptation did not go well. Uh, One Piece live action, some people are saying, is good. I'm skeptical, but you know what? I'm willing to be entertained, and I will probably watch it. And, uh... Yeah, so I'm going to be half full because I love the attention on shows that I like, although I would probably rather the money and resources go for new ideas and new things. But Death Note, sorry, not Ghost Note, Death Note. (laughs) There is no original IP. Uh, We're doing anime on Tuesday, right? Did I, Mm -hmm. I saw that somewhere? Right. Okay. Yes, that's so, right. Good all, foreshadow. All, all, we're, we're actually doing a deep dive on anime yeah. purely for me. Thank you, Kai, for indulging which, me. Which is which is totally fine because I'm going to learn a ton because <laughs> I know clearly yes. less than nothing about anime. If I thought this was a sequel to James Cameron's, uh, a lot of people. Anyway, think anyway that, whatever. Though. They're both called that. Yeah. Well. Anyway, half think, full. Yeah. What about you? All right. There you go. I, I'm. I'm. I will go with whatever you say. I think you know live action remakes are troubling, right? Of of mm. classic animated or anime things. So it'll be. Uh, my hopes are not high, even though I nothing know nothing about this. I would. Yeah. You know. I don't know. And That's I'm seeing I, a lot of people here say that the Cowboy Bebop was pretty good, and that the um, what's it called? Uh, One Piece um, live action is doing well. Um, I, I don't have Netflix, so I haven't seen a lot of these. I gotta go and watch those. So Oh Phil anyway. Kinesi's giving me a hard time. How did all those kids get out of the lawn, Kai? I don't know, Phil, but I'm gonna out of here. All right, next one. Last <laughs> one, Drew. Poll. This is last poll, one. Right? We got the poll. 
So folks who are watching live on YouTube or listening live on YouTube, whatever, if you're in a safe place to weigh in in the poll, we would appreciate it. And you can like our live stream while you're at it. Let's do it. All right. If you're not familiar with Amazon One, it's that little scanner you might have seen at a Whole Foods that links payment information to a scan of your palm. Are you half full or half empty on paying with a wave of your hand? With all of these new technologies, you know, I'm constantly weighing, is it inevitable or is it sort of just testing it out? You know, Mm -hmm. I really thought Mm -hmm. mini discs were going to be a thing. I did. I did. I really did. And wow. I, was, I know I took it way back for a My minute, goodness. you know. Um, and so you wonder which of these technologies are going to survive. I think it was I don't know if it was on our show or something else where someone was talking about how when barcodes were developed, nobody thought that was going to become the standard for everything. Mm-hmm. And then they were. And other systems exist for tracking things and and now not um there are a lot of different ways to share data and share information you can look at people's eyes you can look at people's hands you can facial recognition and all of it's a privacy nightmare but is it inevitable and if so like i don't know amazon knows so much about us already (laughs) Mm mm-hmm so, so what do you think? Is this inevitable or are they just, is it, you know, just another like, like flashy, gimmicky object? thing? That's the I, uh, All right. We got 184 votes in the poll. That's plenty. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to say half empty. I think that so many of these technologies are advancing so rapidly that a wave of the hand is not going to be so much more efficient than waving a card or waving a fob. And the privacy trade-off, you know, I don't know that a lot of people are going to get on board. And how much easier is that than something else? But who knows? What is? What do you think? Uh, I, I'm, uh, I don't have very many privacy concerns because I don't know why. I just don't. Um, I just don't think it's going <laughs> to... I think the execution's going to be flawed here and it's going to be a while before this is a viable technology and there are going to be different ways to do it. So I don't think mm. a palm, scan of your palm is going to be it. So on this specific thing, I'm, I'm half empty. I think contactless payment, like actual genuine contactless payment is coming. It's only a question of when yeah. and then I'll be half full on that. You know, The poll, by the way, is half empty, 84% of you on almost 200 votes, half full, 15. So, you know... There are some privacy concerns out there amongst our listeners. Yeah, with good reason. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. All right. Totally. So we're done. Here we go. We're done. That's it for us uh, today. We are back on um, Monday and then the deep dive with anime on Tuesday. In the meanwhile, questions, comments, you know how to do it. Voicemail is 508-UB-SMART. Email is makemesmart at marketplace.org. And that's how you get a hold of us. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Today's episode was engineered by Charlton Thorpe, and our intern is Talia Manchaka. The team behind our Friday game, which is called Half Full, Half Empty, is Emily McCune and Antoinette Brock. Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. 
Francesca Levy is the executive director of Digital and On Demand. Yes. And there we go. And I'm going to get out of the office. Yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, that's six days late. I got a lot done, though. I I, I accomplished the goals that I set for myself for today, and I feel good about it. There you go. There you go.